I suddenly felt really sick and dizzy. And my first thought was that I'd better sit down before I fell over. Managed to get to the garden bench, but as soon as I sat down, I fell to my left. I wasn't aware of what was happening, but luckily I had my mobile phone with me. I made my first successful attempt to use Siri on that day, funnily enough. I told her that I was in the back garden, something weird was going on. She came running round and as a former nurse, realised obviously immediately that I'd had a stroke and called 999. I was taken by ambulance to Worcester Royal where I sat on a trolley for four hours while they tried to work out what was wrong. I was unable to speak properly. My whole of my left side was paralysed. Eventually they got me a CT, worked out I'd had a bleed. I wasn't aware that I had high blood pressure. However, when I think back, my husband and I ran a small business and we were in the retail area and one of our main suppliers owed us over a quarter of a million pounds. We were still having to pay our workers and whatnot and clearly stress was building up and I imagine that is what put my blood pressure up so much. They moved me to a rehab unit not too far from my home actually. It's a, a small district hospital which has a rehab unit attached to it and I was there for nearly two months whilst I learnt to transfer from a wheelchair they got me standing and doing a few steps but I had no, still no use of my arm or hand at all. Hello, it's Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we'll hear from Lynn Cameron from Worcestershire. Lynn was 57 when she suffered a stroke. I loved horse riding. We had a number of horses. We used to ski. I loved going to the gym and doing exercise classes. In fact, I used to teach exercise. I used to teach aerobics and aqua aerobics, step aerobics. It was life for me, exercise. My girls were heavily into pony club. And so when I wasn't exercising, I was dragging horses into the back of a lorry and driving them around to competitions and all that sort of thing. I was busy gardening on a beautiful day in August. I suddenly felt really sick and dizzy. And my first thought was that I'd better sit down before I fell over. Managed to get to the garden bench, but as soon as I sat down, I fell to my left. I wasn't aware of what was happening, but luckily I had my mobile phone with me. I made my first successful attempt to use Siri on that day, funnily enough. I tried to call my husband first, his name is Lindsay, but clearly my voice was slurred and it couldn't understand that. So I tried my next door neighbour, Pam, a much shorter word, it got that, it called her. I 
told her that I was in the back garden, something weird was going on. She came running round and as a former nurse, realised obviously immediately that I'd had a stroke and called 999. I was taken by ambulance to Worcester Royal where I sat on a trolley for four hours while they tried to work out what was wrong. I was unable to speak properly. My whole of my left side was paralysed. Eventually they got me a CT, worked out I'd had a bleed and got me up to a stroke ward. I spent two weeks in the stroke ward and to be honest, I really have no proper memory of that time. The only memories I have are based on the photographs that my daughters show me from the time I was there. So I'm not sure they're proper memories as such. I wasn't aware that I had high blood pressure. However, when I think back, my husband and I ran a small business and we were in the retail area and one of our main suppliers owed us over a quarter of a million pounds. We were still having to pay our workers and whatnot and clearly stress was building up and I imagine that is what put my blood pressure up so much. I'm now on antihypertensive medication and it's well under control. I was there for 12 days and then they moved me to a rehab unit not too far from my home actually. It's a a small district hospital which has a rehab unit attached to it and I was there for nearly two months whilst I learned to transfer from a wheelchair they got me standing and doing a few steps but I had no still no use of my arm or hand at all and it took quite a long time in fact it was 18 months before I got any real movement in my arm at all. Lynn underwent an intensive physiotherapy programme. The very first day, I was taken in a wheelchair to the physio gym. My feet were essentially strapped into a cycle that, you know, you could push up to the wheelchair. And I think mostly with my unaffected side, I used the cycle for think five minutes initially and they then started with that each time I went trying to stand me up and then ultimately with the aid of two physios who were holding me up and one physio who was actually moving my affected leg they got me walking a few steps. I still couldn't feel my leg or my foot couldn't feel my arm. My shoulder was subluxed. It wasn't the best state, but I have a very good sense of humour and incredible desire to progress. I left hospital without a home visit from anyone. So I very luckily, we have some very good friends who managed to get me a hospital bed in my living room. We 
had a builder friend who came and put rails around for me and grips by toilets and things like that. Then eventually occupational therapy came and brought things like commodes for me because I couldn't use our current facilities and obviously couldn't climb the stairs. And so for the first couple of months, I was confined to the living room in a hospital bed with a commode. I was still getting the community physiotherapist coming in once a week, I think it was. And with help, I finally got to the point where with one person, I could actually climb the stairs and get up to my bedroom. But goodness me, it took it out of me. I was certainly ready to sleep by the time I got up there. My progress was great. I, as I said, was incredibly motivated. I was doing two to three hours of rehab exercises a day. I was following YouTube tutorials on what to do with spasticity and basically exercising every spare minute of the day. By the end of year one, I was actually walking with a walking stick and uh, rarely using the wheelchair at all. Let's hear how Lynn is feeling five years on from her stroke. I'm great. Life is good. I have a lovely family who love me very much. I love them too. They are incredibly motivating. They help me, not in terms of physical help, because I don't want that, and I tell them so quite often, but they help me to do what I need to do. And it's just wonderful. I would say that I'm a more patient person, I'm more tolerant, and probably happier. How weird is that? I've learned to be patient. I think that before the stroke, stress drove me. I was one of those people who was sort of, you know, rushing along in business and not really stopping to smell the flowers, you might say. And now I stop to smell the flowers all the time. Our business folded just before my stroke, which, as I say, is probably one of the contributing factors to my high blood pressure. And uh, I'm not able to work. I was doing bookkeeping at the time, and I have tried being treasurer for a local women's group, but I've just found the stress too great and had to give that up. So I am not going to go back to work. I am going to stay as I am, I think. Typical day, I'm up about six. I do an hour or so of rehab exercises for lower body and maybe an exercise class. I do exercise classes three times a week on Zoom. I also go to aqua aerobics a couple of times a week. I go to hydrotherapy once a week. I also go to physiotherapy and occupational therapy. So depending on the day of the week, there's something going on every day. Coming up, Lynn talks about the support of her family. One of my daughters 
has moved back in with us. We have converted our old suite of offices for her and her husband and the baby. And uh, they now live next door essentially and are on hand to help out any time that we need. In the meantime, my husband has also been diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. So it's very nice to know that there's someone there to help when needed. And gives her advice to stroke survivors. I was given a very poor prognosis and told that I was highly unlikely to get past wheelchair transfers from, say, my chair to a, a bed or chair to another chair or to the toilet. That was all I was ever expected to do. And that was something that I was not going to put up with. Here, Lynn explains how the stroke continues to affect her life. I suffer from quite a bit of spasticity. I have Botox injections every 12 weeks and I'm also doing lots of exercise with the physio to try and overcome knee hyperextension, for example, which is when the knee bends in the wrong direction, essentially. Never a good thing. And we have lots of exercises that are ongoing and I'm still seeing quite a bit of improvement. One of my daughters has moved back in with us. We have converted our old suite of offices for her and her husband and the baby. And uh, they now live next door essentially and are on hand to help out any time that we need. In the meantime, my husband has also been diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. So it's very nice to know that there's someone there to help when needed. My best friend lives the other side of our house. I've known her for 35 years, so we see each other very frequently. I also have a group of friends within the village that I meet with on a Friday and a Saturday in the morning. We go to a coffee morning at our local social club and uh, all chat together. I'm also active in our local church and uh, have lots of friends there too. I am trying every day to involve my affected hand in everything I do. Earlier this afternoon, I was making Christmas wreaths with my daughter and trying to uh, give my affected hand tasks to do throughout that. So um, I'm trying and indeed succeeding to get more use on a regular basis in my left hand. I still don't have great sensation in the affected hand. For a long time, I couldn't feel anything at all with the hand, but I can now, although it's very limited and only in certain areas of the hand, but it's definitely improving. For example, if I, I were to put my hand into a, a pocket, I would now be able to feel that there was something in there where I couldn't before. I suffer from drop foot, which is where you can't lift the toes from the floor and you're prone to tripping over the foot. The electrical stimulation helps you to lift the foot and basically stops that from happening. And that has been very, very useful.
for a family member, I would say support, but don't try to do things for the stroke survivor because the more they attempt to do, the more recovery they will get. It's all down to function and trying to do things. That's how you get function back. For a stroke survivor, I was given a very poor prognosis and told that I was highly unlikely to get past wheelchair transfers from, say, my chair to a, a bed or chair to another chair or to the toilet. That was all I was ever expected to do. And that was something that I was not going to put up with. So I have just worked hard and I understand that that's not possible for some people, but I've just pushed and pushed and pushed at the boundaries and managed to uh, exceed them. Lynn's stroke occurred because of stress-induced hypertension, and since her stroke, she's decided to retire. She's happy with the progress she's made and continues to work on her mobility and dexterity. Thanks for listening to Stroke Stories. We value your support. Please do rate and comment when you can and recommend the podcast to anybody you think it might help. And if you are or you know a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please get in touch via X or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.